Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist, you'll want to invite everyone over. From book club to reality TV watch parties, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is infused with two times more essential oil versus regular Airwick Essential Mist for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is perfectly portable and effortlessly easy. The way fragrance should be. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick. Hello, I'm Virginia Heffernan, and welcome to This is Critical, where we examine all the cultural assumptions you take for granted, like that Glenn Gould's 1955 version of the Goldberg Variations is superior to his 1981 version, when in fact, this question is now so arcane that it doesn't even matter which is better. They're both great, so stop, drop, and roll over to Spotify and call up either one. Glenn Gould is just a bracing tonic. His music is like stinging clearasil pads for the soul. Or maybe Biore. They pull out all that sentimental gunk in your pores to keep your complexion clean and clear. So for much of the pandemic, I found myself unable to read books. All I could manage was the subliterate doggerel tone poems of Twitter and simple data visits showing how to flatten the curve and demographics of who believes in Q. But one day I picked up a novel. It was Jack by Marilyn Robinson. And the floodgates opened. Novels with characters that are not the performance artists of cable TV. Actual fiction, where people's heartbreak is at least addressed and made into poetry, if not even sometimes relieved. Then I decided it was time to read a strange book called The Catfish. Not an MTV collector's item based on the reality show, but the 1913 novel by one Charles Marriott. Okay, you probably know about the concept of catfishing from the 2010 documentary called Catfish, which followed the filmmaker and TV personality Neve Shulman as he was getting catfished. In that movie, the husband of the catfishing woman describes his wife in her infinite mischief as sort of like a catfish. He says that the legend goes that catfish used to be dropped into shipping tanks with a mushy codfish to keep them fresh, strong, and alive. This guy said his tricksy wife, who was catfishing other men, was actually a net positive for the world because she kept everyone on their toes. But where the heck did this guy get his cool catfish metaphor? I looked and looked and found that one of the most prominent uses of it was in a Christian book by Joel Osteen. It was essentially a metaphor for whatever agitating thing stress tests our beliefs and keeps us sharp. But I think Osteen got it from Charles Marriott's The Catfish, the book I picked up recently. That book 
tells of a boy who grows to manhood with this female friend named Lesbia, yeah, Lesbia, who often badgers him about his moral life and whether he's becoming too selfish and bourgeois and colonialist. She's East Indian and he's English. She basically bugs the hell out of him. He doesn't speak to her for long periods of her life, but somehow he's also drawn back to her for another showdown in their love-hate relationship. I got completely enraptured by this novel. And at the end, the woman, the catfish, dies. And the guy realizes it's she who's given his whole existence dimension and depth and bestowed on him moral imagination and even joy. You get this? He would have been a mushy, tasteless morsel of cod without his wily catfish friend keeping his mind and soul awake. Then I started thinking of various sparring partners and nemeses and tricksters in my own life and wondering if maybe they work like catfish. I mean, even the former president. Now that he's out of office and off Twitter, maybe I can say that his relentless trolling toughened me up and made me sharpen my views and kept me too from being just another mealy codfish in the tank. What a wild idea. But look, I've never been truly catfished. So how am I supposed to know how this 100-year-old hot take on the benefits of catfishing jibes with reality? Obviously, early 20th century catfish are different from internet catfish, with their abs photos and weird refusals to FaceTime or meet in person. In 2020, the Federal Internet Crimes Complaint Center received more than 30,000 reports of romance scams, that's the technical term for catfishing, with monetary losses totaling more than... $300 million. So obviously, catfish has a huge downside in addition to being just mean. But most of the damage has to happen on the inside when you're catfished, right? I just had to discuss this with someone directly who'd been in the crosshairs of a true catfish. So I talked to a reporter who has just the right experience— Max Benwell is an audience editor at The Guardian. In 2018, Max found out that someone going by the name John Saunders was using images of Max to hit on women online. And when women rejected this guy who was using Max's photo, he would spew a torrent of abuse at them. Four women independently reached out to the real Max to let him know about the poser. And Max, being a journalist, set out to track the catfish down. He wrote about it in an article titled How to Catch a Catfisher. Max, welcome to This is Critical. Thank you so much for having me. I have heard from people who've been catfished and even people who've catfished other people. But you are someone who was a catfish's bait. You were someone whose image, whose very dashing image, I might add for listeners, was used to lure in catfish victims. Um, tell us about that experience, when it started, and how it was for you. Yeah, it was, it was pretty weird being the bait. And it was very confusing to know what to do, because I think that there's a clear sort of handbook if you're either the victim or even the perpetrator. <laughs> the, the, the lines are quite clear. Whereas um, when I was first sort of alerted to it, I just didn't know what to do. I thought it was kind of funny to begin with, because it, it started off in quite a benign way. But as it went on and on, and I, I found out, found more examples of how this person had been impersonating me and talking to women, it took on this this sort of horrible dimension. 
So how did it start? It was March uh, 2018. And I woke up one morning just looking at my phone. And mm -hmm. I had a message on there from a woman who I didn't know. I think it was like uh, in one of my other inboxes, you know. And it was saying, oh, I think, think someone's using your photos to catfish me. And how did she find the real you? In all instances, it was a reverse uh, Google image search apart from, I think, the third or fourth time, which is, it was that time which really, it was like the breaking point, um, which is when someone tweeted out uh, the photo of me along with the message I, I had supposedly sent, that Catfish had sent. And it, it was a horrible, horrible message, really abusive. And her tweet above the, the screenshot of that was, you know, look at this piece of trash. Um, I can't believe, you know, I can't believe this. If he ever comes to Oklahoma City, you know, I'll be showing him a piece of my mind. Oh, yeah, something to that effect. And so it was, like a, it was like a wanted sign. It was <laughs> yeah, like yeah. wanted, dead or alive, and here's the picture so you know who did it. Yeah, and, and it was actually uh, a, f a follower of hers or a friend of hers in, in the replies who was like, who pointed out to her that it was a catfish because he, I think, did the um, reverse Google image search. So, and he found my Twitter profile. Um, and so he, that's how I found out because he tagged me and was like, it's, you know, he, this, whoever's talking to you is using the photos of at Max Benwell. Um, and th so that's when I was brought into that one. We have to give a gist of what the language sounds like. The quote that this guy is supposedly saying who looks like you is, I don't understand what it is that gives fat b like you the idea you're better than people. What makes you fat so stuck up? Have you looked in the mirror? You're a whale. Does SeaWorld know that Shamu is missing? Later, ho. All right. You are just cringed, like just mortified because you'd never say that. Yeah, I think that was the the worst one I'd seen because all of the others before, leading up to that were just women who'd been chatting to this guy and I think he'd been just kind of flirting with them and refusing to meet up with them. So it's kind of like, oh, let's check this guy out. Whereas mm -hmm. this one was the first time, to my knowledge at the time, that was just so abusive and, and horrible and brought me into it in a way which made me feel like I had to do something. And under as long as he was saying um, kind of come-ons or sort of banalities under your image, you could tolerate it. But when it turned into something that, you know, something you would never say, that's when you took some action. Yeah, and also just like realizing the overlap between the digital and, and the real, like mm -hmm. what if I went on holiday to Oklahoma City um, or just <laughs> on a work trip? And she, and she, her, or one of her friends or followers saw me. You know, like it, it's, I, I think it's very unlikely, but I'm like, they would have every right to to like beat me up if if that was the case. So you took then took all your forensic energy, all your writing skills, all of your education, and just laser focused it on finding out who this guy was. Walk us through how, how you did that. Yeah, I probably credit my just sort of like development of stalking skills, uh, mm. whether you're kind of applying for a job and you're trying to figure out who's interviewing you or about to go on a date and you want to know more about the person who you're about sure. to go on a date with. Uh, that that was like being sort of enmeshed in that for many years was really uh, an education itself. But yeah, like <laughs> the biggest challenge was like, I, I say this in the piece, it's like, how do you figure out who someone is when... The, 
you have no information about them apart from your face. <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. all I really had to go on and a fake name. Um, so I realized that I needed to get access to this person. And mm-hmm. problem with that is that he, he's going to be very easily uh, spooked if I suddenly suddenly appear. So I, from the very start, I realized I probably need to sort of deceive him yeah. if I'm going to get close to him. To, and you have to be a, a thief to catch a thief. Exactly, exactly. So some of my friends volunteered to follow the fake account. Um, but there was too much of a risk that he would then look at them and even if I unfollowed them, that he could see there's photos of us together and it would just, he would, you know, the case would, he'd sort of go cold. Mm-hmm. So I got in touch with Facebook and I said, you know, will I get in trouble if I was to create a false account because someone's impersonating me? And they were like, yeah, we would, like, if we caught you, we'd, we'd ban you from uh, the, the platform. And I was like, okay. I realized it's a massive loophole, right? Which is like anyone can set up a business. I conceivably, I'm not, but I could conceivably be someone who wants to set up a page celebrating beautiful women in Oklahoma City, like a page someone like this catfisher might end up following. Um, And if they follow that page, then I can follow them back. It's kind of organic. I can see what they're posting. So yeah, that's when I started um, setting up this page, getting my my friends to give me their first traps to basically create a honey trap. And then I started like uh, sort of juicing the account. I was buying uh, followers. I was buying likes just to make it look legit. Um, and, And then I started paying to promote it to men between like 18 and 30 in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. in like a 10-mile radius of the center. All right, so some men took the bait. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, we got a testament to Instagram's paid promotion racket. It, there's did get some follows from, from men in Oklahoma. Um, so it, it can work. Wasn't a lot, not a huge amount of engagement, but um, these were the sort of men who I wanted to get, who were active on Instagram, just didn't happen to be my guy. So I still wasn't able to, like, I I really just wanted to talk to him was was the main goal. After the break, will Max get his man? Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Welcome back to This is Critical. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Today I'm talking with Max Benwell, a journalist at The Guardian who had his likeness used by an abusive catfish going by the name of John Saunders. When we left off, Max was trying to track down the person behind the account. He tried luring him in with an Instagram account tailored to this catfish's interests. That failed. Then he tried to use Tinder, changing his gender to female and setting his location to Oklahoma City, where he knows the catfish lives, and swiping through as many men as he can. 
That failed. So he turned to the professionals. Social Catfish, which is a California-based agency, which, well, I say helps people like me. A lot of the time, it's like older women who have been caught up in what's known as like romance frauds. Yes, they send people money that they've only met online on the promise that they're going to get married or, yes, romantic fraud. Well, romantic fraud, which which predates the internet. And you actually got like a private eye. Like you, you got a Sam Spade, right? Yeah, so I was assigned a, a really great woman called Linny. They have this tool which they use which they say is more powerful than like Google image search, um, where you can reverse search photos, where they can really pull up loads of stuff just using photos, usernames. Um, so that's often how, you know, like maybe a cl- someone will come to them and say, oh, this, this man who uh, just somehow has been able to take like what looks like a stock photo and upload it as his, uh, you know, he's like dashingly handsome. Um, I just want to see if he's real and, and they'll put it in. That's quite a simple one where it would turn up. How did you ultimately find him and talk to him on the phone? Yeah. Well, so this is embarrassing because <laughs> I got to the stage of writing and like putting everything together for my piece where I was like, I need to just get the like timeline sorted. So I'm going to go right back to the beginning. This, you know, I was doing this in like December. I was like, let's go back to the first messages I received in March. And um, when I was, you know, just waking up kind of like in a daze looking at my phone uh, and let's like trace it and just see where we, how we've got to this point so I can write Mm it uh, more clearly. And yeah, that's when I realized that one of the like first, like or second women to message me had actually said, I told me who she thought it was. <laughs> but because I had no interest in <laughs> writing a piece, I wasn't thinking of it as an investigation. I just completely ignored that because I was like, oh, well, I don't care. Like, I, this is weird. Um, right, yeah. Yeah. So I had his name in my inbox the whole time. So you explain in the piece that the guy calling himself John Saunders, but using your photo, would message these women, and then another guy named Chris would message them right after. And the woman who contacted you thought that this Chris was the catfish. So did you turn his name over to Social Catfish, your PI? Yeah, they were able to send me his like publicly available like listed address and phone number. So you called him. Were you scared? Yeah, I, I'm such a bad procrastinator. And then when you add in like the fact that you've only got one shot to do something and yeah. that you, you like everything is resting on how you navigate this conversation, I'd, I'd put it off and I put it off. I was so worried. Um, <laughs> it turned out to be his family phone. Like, and it, I, it was like really lucky that he was the one who picked up and not yeah. his, 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 one of his parents. Right. So... I was like, well, I'm calling. You're not in trouble, but I'm just calling because uh, I have reason to believe that you've been using my photos um, to impersonate me and, and you've been you know, talking to all these women. And, and, you know, it's not, I'm not calling to, you're not in trouble. I'm just trying to, I just want to know why you've been doing it. And maybe if you, if you could stop. That led to a conversation we had for about an hour, which I didn't include all of it in my piece, but... Yeah, what was that like? It was kind of sad to like, I think because we've all kind of been maybe in this situation before where we've been caught 
in something, maybe not mm-hmm. as, ex- as, as serious, but, you know, he clearly didn't know how much I knew. So he was mm-hmm. like, I, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, you, you added all of these women at the same time as like John Sanders, who was using my photos did. And you were talking to them at the same time. And he was like, oh, well, there's a, you know, there's a lot of people online, a lot of things happen. That's just, he was just saying it was all a coincidence that mm-hmm. he was messaging at the same time. But then he was saying that like people may have like, it was a conspiracy where people were trying to make it look like it was him because hmm. people didn't like him. And he was telling me this like whole sob story about his life and just what trying to get that? out of it. What, what was oh, the but he'd, he'd been, they'd been bullied and that like people were out to get him because of like his, his family's religion. And his family's religion is a historically persecuted religion? Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's right. from a, a Muslim family, yeah. That was a, a reasonable kind of way to it, get some sympathy out of you, maybe. Yeah, but it was. But I knew he had done it, so... Yeah, seems like it's sort of a Pyrrhic victory because the person's, like, soft and broken and sympathetic and lying and all those things. Yeah, I mean, I just tried to... My main goal was to just try and get him to see how damaging his actions had been and said, you know, I've spoken to the woman who you did this to and... It was really upsetting and like you've got to realize that there are consequences that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm working on a piece about this, but I'm not going to, I told him I'm not going to mention your name, I'm not going to say, give you any details about you, you're going to be anonymous. So like, can we just talk about this and, you know, if you can stop that would be great. And like, but we couldn't get anywhere with that because he just kept on saying, well, it wasn't me, it, it, like it, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't. It, it was very frustrating, but we got to chat and talk about his interests. For some reason, I just kept on trying to keep the conversation going. Well, partly um, you were taking screenshots while on the phone of like of his real Instagram account. Well, that, Is that was the right? thing. I used. I tried to sort of t- t- chat to him and and gain some sort of level of trust, and then I asked him if I could follow him on his personal Instagram. Got um, it. And he'd let me. And so mm-hmm. I was just like, I, what I did, I screenshot all of his images, which was like about like 20 or 30 different screenshots going down the grid because he had loads. And then after the call, I cross-checked it with the grid he had made with my photos because he'd also yeah. included memes. Mm-hmm. And there was like four of the same memes used in the same order uh, on both yeah. on both pages. So it completely clicked. And yeah, that's when I knew, okay, like for a second, I was like, maybe he didn't do it, and I've really messed yeah. this up. But, but then, yeah, it was um, it was clear that was like the smoking gun. I've heard that it's very, very difficult in the same way to catch a plagiarist, even if you know, you know, for professors, even if you know the person has plagiarized, you have the source text. They'll go down saying that they just like mixed up their notes or whatever. Um, something there's something about copying to impersonation, catfishing, plagiarism. These sort of intellectually dishonest, um, mm. you know, acts that you know make it pretty hard to extract a confession. Yeah, unless unless you're like a top editor at Snopes. Which... <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. After the break, what motivates someone to become a catfish? Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 
On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Welcome back to This is Critical. My guest today is Max Benwell, whose likeness was used by a catfish to harass women online. Max tracked down this catfish and confronted him about his motives. But I wanted to know, why Max? I think like one of my pieces was really unpopular among uh, white men and white supremacists. So I kind of like, I think that in terms of the, the Google search algorithm kind of like boosted my my presence, my visibility mm. with, within um, that space. I, I guess if you had to draw like a Venn diagram of like lonely, uh, insecure men who might want to you know, catfish people, yeah. and, like the, the alt-right, it might not yeah. be like a, a total circle, but um, pretty close. When you finally got to this guy's account, he also had pictures of Kanye and Trump merged and also what looks like a kind of a Pepe the Frog possibility. So there may have been a right-wing vibe to this guy. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, I I couldn't see anything obvious. I, I think that, like, like a lot of people, he, you know, like— incels have like this formalized language but hmm. a lot of people just kind of it exist in a state where they haven't like codified it in through the prism of like incelness or right-wing idness but um kind of exist in this like apolitical state where maybe they just feel kind of angry about certain things and i mean what seemed to be his yeah. primary motivator is just you know he he lived with his lives, or I don't know if he still does, but he, at the time he was living with his parents. Um, he had been ostracized at school. And it it just felt like, you know, he was very lonely and his loneliness was so extreme, it took him to like quite a dark place and, and where he took quite kind of extreme measures, but also not, in, in the context of the internet, very accessible measures. Okay, so I'm really interested in the origins of the word we use to describe our internet phenomena, like trolling. Actually, one theory of the origin of the word trolling involves fishing. So when you troll in fishing, you lazily drag a lure behind your boat, hoping that something will bite, but not putting too much effort into it. With catfishing, the definition kind of suggests that a catfish is annoying, like a gadfly, but also provides a service to its uh, victims by kind of making you evaluate yourself. In your case, do you think there was some way this catfish knew where your vanity was or your vulnerabilities or got you to reevaluate how you treat women or otherwise live your life in some way differently? I don't know. It made me think a lot about just like the internet as a whole, um, how much we've normalized this type of behavior like catfishing yeah. is just like a, a, a sort of more transgressive version of taking advantage of the wild west of the internet i think about this myself as a lot as well in in like how we use it to like fill these voids and never be bored and mm -hmm. he was he was filling one void of insecurity and 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 sort of lack of self-fulfillment 
And we all do that to a to degree. Um, we're all sort of addicted to finding ways to uh, distract ourselves uh, from mm-hmm. maybe the more stressful parts of life through through our phones. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, he also seems to be administering, you know, it's like honey and vinegar or something. I mean, he's trying to promote visceral reactions in the person listening to him. He, you know, he probably feels like, not an especially effective person like most of us do who without you know a great capacity to influence his surroundings and then he um, is able to semi seduce and then horrify the women that he you know quickly rejects after they reject him um, and that's a certain amount of power that is denied most of us here's the thing you're on tinder so you use your photo right? It's accurate. But it's probably not from right this second. Maybe it's from six months ago. Maybe you continue to use the photo that this guy stole from you because it's an especially attractive photo. I know the one that appears most for me is hopelessly photoshopped and post-produced so much that it's like a collection of pixels made on a screen. Um, You know, I'm impersonating that person, (laughs) you know, yeah, that's true. I mean, and also it's not just like um, image-based, is it? Because where a lot of people are sort of catfishing their own personalities, like, you know, projecting yeah. aspirational versions of themselves. I mean, I've met people who I would assume I'd be quite intimidated by in person based on my internet presences. And then they're just like a quivering wreck when you meet them. <laughs> and and yeah. like, they're a massive like introvert, which is nothing wrong with being an introvert, but it, you suddenly see that like the um a lot of the sort of personality traits which lend themselves to being very good at social media are often mm-hmm. the same personality traits which lend themselves to being in real life kind of socially incompetent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was somehow thinking about how, uh, so I have two children who for most of their lives just like, it just quarreled so much. And I wanted for Facebook a picture of them getting along. And there was one time where one of them was tickling the other, and it looked like he was hugging her, and it looked like she was smiling, when in fact they were tormenting each other. And I took a picture right then and put that up. It's like no documentary purpose. They were siblings without rivalry for only a split second. But for a split second, I at least thought that it looked like on Facebook that I had a very harmonious household. Um, and, and you know, I, we definitely are all doing that, even if it's a modest aspiration. So it's not that guy pretending to be you, but it's just, um, you know, you just don't put up your most boring thoughts on Twitter, for example. Another thing I was just going to say as well in terms of, you know, like in the sense of the catfish keeping people agile, mm. Um I mean, I, I, I definitely was helped by this. And I think everyone can benefit from just like never trusting anything online, which I, mm. I guess like we we don't uh, as much anymore, especially in the last few years with, with so much misinformation. But um, mm-hmm. a weird sort of side story of this story was this um, Google Plus group, oh, which yeah. <laughs> I found where um, it was like a group dedicated to exposing creepy men online where someone had posted... Oh this guy's messages when he before he was catfishing me and then a woman was in the comments defending him saying like he's not like this i'm friends with him Hmm. um he would never do this he's a great guy he was hacked 
And mm. then I, I screenshotted her profile photo and ran it through Google. And it was a photo of a woman whose remains were found in like 2011, just outside of San Francisco, um, who went missing. Mm. And, and so it was obviously him. Maybe I'm giving and continue to be too much of a 19th century sentimentalist about this. But I do think what I'm hearing from you is that this, this catfish drove you to a quest for greater authenticity in your existence and in your in your personal relationships. Again, I know I'm like Charles Dickens or something. Um, <laughs> I want us to be weeping at the end because it turned out you got off Tinder and, you know, met someone in the park. Um, yeah, yeah, but- yeah, I declared my love for Estrella. Uh, <laughs> or no, no, it was Estella. <laughs> yes, Estella, exactly. Yes, I, yeah, I can imagine that because the upside of doubting what you see online and becoming more suspicious is becoming more committed to things you, you know, to experiences you have in three-dimensional space, or so I believe. Yeah, I probably did get that out of it. I, I was thinking, I was, guess I was so wrapped up in the piece of the time that I, I wanted to create something which would help people figure, like think of ways which they could stop this. Um, but yeah, I guess yeah. like I, I've definitely over time since then moved away from uh, seeing the internet as a particularly like good or productive place to be. Max, this has been great. Thank you so much for thinking deeply about your experience and for pursuing doggedly this guy that catfished you and other people. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. All right, now it's time for a quick PS, a postscript with my producer, Harry Huggins. That's his real name, producer Harry. I, of course, was captivated by all this philosophy around catfishing, but you usually bring me back to reality. So tell me what you've dug up. Sure. So I was super interested in what kind of research there's been done about catfishing, just because, you know, it's a it's a crime. So we talked about the FBI stats in the beginning of how many people have been affected by it. But I also found some more... Um, research into the potential reasons behind it, or like why it happens. So there was a, a 2020 study in the Journal of Sexual and Relationship Therapy, um, and it found that, among other things, people who had anxious attachment styles, meaning that they, they found it hard to feel secure or loved in a relationship, um, those kinds of people were more likely to both be catfished and to catfish others. That's super interesting. Yeah. I, I can't, I always, I take that attachment test all the time and it's always, it always comes up different. I mean, it never comes up secure, <laughs> right? The good one. Yeah. And there's another study I found from the University of Queensland, which actually interviewed a bunch of self-identified catfish about their motivations <laughs> and their feelings about their behavior. Um, and, you know, it was a small study, like less than 30 people, but they still found uh, trends where the most common motivations people mentioned were loneliness, dissatisfaction with their bodies, a desire to escape, and a need to explore aspects of gender and sexual identity. So they're, they're a lot less focused on the monetary gain than I thought they might be. I'm not surprised. I, th- I really do think there's something. I mean, come on, loneliness, dissatisfaction with their bodies, like the human condition, man. Yeah, I mean, hurt, we, you know, there's that saying, hurt people hurt people. And then another common thing that was mentioned in the articles about why people do it is just like their whole online disinhibition effect. 
where you know you're like less likely to adhere to real life moral codes online but you know what like what is real life anymore who wrote these moral codes hmm. i mean i don't know if i've told you this ancient story but um i got on the internet through like by a weird chance where i grew up in a college town that had um a giant heaving rhino sized mainframe in the middle of town and you could dial in with a, you know using a a dial-up, but I used to I joined this thing as a as a child called Conference XYZ, and on Conference XYZ we got to use all these different um, handles and car- play all these characters, and it was really. Um, I realize this is kind of, you know, looking back, you might think that seems kind of dangerous, but it was also this opportunity to try on new identities, like some catfish do. How old were you? And. Uh, I started at nine and I kind of wrapped it up when people said that I I was a computer geek, you know, in the beginning of high school. Um, But yeah, I mean, I played this game a lot and it felt very much like a game. Um, And later I met this Japanese sociologist who said that Japanese kids are encouraged to kind of find their imaginative life and find their capacity to shapeshift and be non-binary and, you know, be older, be younger um, online because ordinary life is so kind of name, rank, and serial number. Mm. And so in order to opt out of like capitalist binaries, (laughs) people go online to be, be different. And that's my one cheer, I guess, for, well, another cheer for catfishing, but really a, a, a cheer for, for the imaginative possibilities. Yeah, I mean, it's more like a reason not to just scrap all of the internet and anonymity just because of some of the bad things like catfishing that can come a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, one last thing about catfish before we go. When I was doing my research, I was captivated by the ongoing dispute between the U.S. and Vietnam over catfish imports, which might not <laughs> surprise you that much, but... Apparently, in the 90s, the U.S. lifted an um, embargo on cheap Vietnamese catfish. And uh, so they started competing with the good old American catfish. um, And a bunch of lobbyists actually got the Senate to pass a law requiring Vietnamese catfish to be labeled as something other than catfish. Oh, my God. And people started spreading rumors that the, the Vietnamese fish were contaminated by Agent Orange. But... The Vietnamese fishers were then like, no, you're you're just jealous that it's cheaper to farm catfish here because our labor is cheaper. And they said the flow of the rivers in the Mekong Delta keep the fish clean. It's a lot of dry stuff, but there's also a lot of fascinating cultural <laughs> assumptions being thrown around. And it's it's still unresolved. Not dry at all. Thank you so much, producer Harry. And speaking of real-life catfish, our final guest is an expert on them. Joining us now is Masley Dern. She's the president of the Catfish Aquatic Reputation Protection Agency, that is, the CARP Agency, which seems like a confusing acronym. Okay, it absolutely is. I mean, but what are you going to do? You can't change the alphabet, right, Virginia? Thank you so much for giving me this platform. I mean, literally, it's the only platform I've ever been given. And I'd just like to add in full transparency that I am the self-proclaimed president. We plan to have an actual election once we get a third member who can act as tiebreaker between me and my fiancé, Troy. Wow, so much to unpack there. But let's move right to the mission of your organization. You say the reputation of actual catfish has been irreparably damaged by the online imposters who've become known by the same name. 
That's right. Okay, and it just seems downright unfair to single out this poor, unsuspecting fish and smear its good reputation. I mean, have you seen a catfish? It's, well, I mean, it's not exactly an attractive animal. And I mean, yes, some of them are poisonous. And one guy died, I think, I read online. But they can't help that. So we fight on behalf of all ugly, toxic creatures because everyone deserves love. True, 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 true. How, nothing is truer than that. How did you come up with the idea for the CARP agency? Oh, I didn't. Troy did. He messaged me last year on my female fisherwoman's Facebook page and asked if I wanted to join the CARP agency to save the reputation of aquatic catfish. And so, of course, I said yes. And then he said he was just getting CARP off the ground and asked if I could wire him a few thousand dollars so he could do things like create a website for carp and get a new muffler. Wait, wait a second. I know, I know. I am so lucky to be engaged to a business genius. I cannot wait to meet him. You haven't met him? Oh, I mean, I've met him like on the phone that I pay for, which I like because I get the phone bill and I get to see exactly who he's calling. And that person is me. I'm not sure how to say this, and I can't believe nobody else has said this already, but I think Troy might be catfishing you. Whoa. Okay, I... I am not sure what to say, because this is exactly the kind of defamatory hate speech that we are trying to eradicate. I cannot believe that you used the C word with me, the president of CARP. You know, Troy was right about you. And to help combat incidents like this from ever happening again, I am Venmoing him $5,000 right now. Oh boy, this didn't go as planned. Best of luck to you, Masley. Okay, it's not about me, it's about the catfish. That's it for this week's show. Make sure you don't miss next week's episode of This is Critical by following us or subscribing on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please take a moment to rate and review it in Apple Podcasts. It helps other people to learn about the show. For more information and to keep tabs on us, follow me on Twitter. I'm at page 88 and the show is at This Critical Pod. If you have a question or a cultural creed you think deserves another look, send us an email at thisiscriticalpod at gmail.com. This is Critical is made by me, Virginia Heffernan, and Stitcher. Kate James was our comic relief this week. Harry Huggins is the producer. Tracy Samuelson is our editor. Brendan Burns mixed this episode and composed our original theme. And Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. Thanks for listening and stay critical. Stitcher. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 
On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore One Nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, Bad Dirt. What makes Bad Dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like Bad Dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.